It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Steeler. Fury. Hello, you are listening to the Steeler Fury Pittsburgh Steelers Show podcast. This is the pre-draft extravaganza, episode two. I'm your host, Will Massasek, also known as Bradshaw to Ben around these parts. And you may know me on Twitter as Accidental Zen. I'd just like to say welcome to part two of the Steeler Fury pre-draft extravaganza. Got a great episode for you today. This is episode two of three of our pre-draft special. Okay, so I know I said it was going to be a three-part draft extravaganza here at the SteelerFury.com podcast, but we actually have too much content to fit into just three episodes. So guess what? You're going to get a bonus episode featuring just the interviews that we did with college prospects headed for the NFL draft this year. That's going to leave us more time to talk about the NFL draft on today's episode of the podcast. So without further ado, let's get to our guest. Hey, we are very pleased to be joined uh, by someone from the outside world who's not from Steelers Nation, uh, but that's a good thing at this time of year with the draft. Uh, He is the scouting coordinator for an NFL Draft Bible, which is an excellent thing to own this just draft season if you want information on hundreds of draft prospects. His name is Ryan Roberts. He's joining us. How are you, sir? I'm doing wonderful, man. How's everything with you? Uh, as as I said, uh, cooped up. <laughs> but you know, yeah. Yeah. At, at least at least we have sports to to watch on television. No, I'm just kidding, of course. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, although I did see um, some Chinese baseball with no fans in the stands, and somebody hit a home run, it was very exciting. Oh, that that's that sounds that sounds very entertaining. Were they wearing masks while they were doing this? I didn't. Th- I didn't see them close enough up to know, but they might very well might have been. Well, that'll be the new thing. All the players wear masks. No fans in the stands. It's a. It's a different. Uh, it's a new normal, as they like to say, right? It's world right now, for sure. Most definitely. Well, well. Speaking of the new normal uh, and life uh, for the NFL draft, they're going to do the draft the way that we do it multiple times. Are you? A, are you a big Twitter mock draft guy? Are you somebody that participates in those big group drafts? Uh, I mean, I mean, I, ha- I have in the past. It's it's more just you know, it, it's something especially now that can be a little entertaining. You know, there's not much to do besides sit at home and I guess try to do some work around the house. So I, you know, I, I'm a I'm an avid a- avid practitioner in, tr- in Twitter overall. So I I, uh, I definitely have participated in a couple of my over the last few days. I just thought after I asked that question, do we participate in one together? Because I did like I think I've done ten drafts of some kind this year. And they're, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that like takes over your world while you, while you do it. So if you do it right. Uh, so let's talk about you. You are someone that is pretty comprehensive in terms of the number of people that you cover. And I think that's a great reason to have you on the show. I think there's a lot of draft people, even bigger names, draft experts who don't get more than a couple of hundred prospects deep in the draft. How many prospects do you figure out of this 2020 class that you at least gave a cursory uh, exam to? 
So I think I think my my uh, official final total was two fifty five. Um, I'm kind of circling back and mostly just taking a look at a couple guys that I did earlier in the process to make sure I didn't I wasn't missing anything. But our our the draft the draft bible for NFL draft bible has already been released, so those are the official. And uh, you know I, I just kind of been kind of moving forward to 2021 already, doing a uh, to, doing some early observations for those early notes. But I think my final number was right around 255. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, um, I, I'm not doing nearly the in-depth work on each prospect that you're doing, but when we get to prospects 255 to 500, I'm your guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe next year we'll do the uh, we'll do the addendum, the secret addendum to the draft bible of uh, you know prospects 400. Uh, actually, that's a fine name for a project, prospect 400. Um, I like it. So I like it a lot. You should be like you should be a, uh, like a, a project coordinator. I like that a lot, man. Really do. Yeah, yeah. Another the translation is yeah, man. If you want to do that, go right ahead. <laughs> it's your, it's, your, it's right. your nickel. Yeah. Well, um, at any rate, let's talk over there. But first of all, the general tone of the draft. Two things. Uh, the first is you know sort of the general question that people ask all the time. In your opinion, is, is this what you would call a strong draft class? Is this a good year to have a lot of picks? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely say so. I, I, I feel like. Not only have my first round numbers been, you know, right around the same, maybe a couple, one or one or two more than usual, but this is an exceptionally deep draft. Obviously, there's going to be some positions that you're not as excited about as others, as far as the, the quantity or quality of them. But there, there's some uh, positions, specifically wide receiver, cornerback, offensive tackle. There is a, a, a plethora of talent, a lot of really nice developmental pieces, too. So if you're the Miami Dolphins, for instance, with all those draft picks this year, I would be very excited overall. Yeah, I kind of get the feeling that it's, you know, I mean, people will talk about it's a historic wide receiver class, which are really hard to argue. But uh, it does feel like more there are more dra- what I would call more draftable, interesting prospects than than usual by far, even at the bottom of the class. To that end. You said some some uh, position groups are stronger than others. Let me ask you that question then. What you know, aside from wide receiver being a strong one, I assume you agree with that. Um, yes. Which which other uh, groups are either notably uh, deep or or strong or the opposite? So I think cornerback is a really deep one this year as well. There's a there's a pretty steep drop in my opinion after Akuda at number one, but there is a lots of good corners this year. It's a very deep class. I, I feel like some people are at near the end of the first round are going to kind of second guess their strategy to maybe jump on one of those late first, early second round quarters, because I feel like you can get a good one in the second, third, maybe even into the fourth round. So you guys can potentially start pretty early offensive tackle. Obviously the top four are really publicized, but even after that, you go into, you know, the Josh Jones of the world, even the Austin Jacksons, even though I'm not a big fan, but Matt Pert, from UConn, there's a lot of talent that is very nice developmental pieces. And then maybe a, maybe a, a really undersold class this year, I think, is the safety group. There's not one guy that is really standing out as like a top 15 type of talent. But going to the end of the first round, there's a couple guys I see coming off the board. I think it's a really deep class. And then, uh, you know, for the other side of everything, I, I think it's been pretty well publicized. Tight ends, there is some departmental pieces. I, I feel like you could find roles for them. But I don't feel like this is a very strong class, both up top or depth wise. You're you're really, I feel like everyone's trying so hard to find that diamond, to find that guy <laughs> that kind of does enough. But there's just not that guy, in my opinion. You know, like I've kind of been holding close to 
Devin Asiasi from, from UCLA, because I see a lot of developmental tools to be an all-around tight end, but even he's not a short-fire thing. There's not much in short-fire uh, prospects in the tight end class, and then the other one is linebacker. I, I feel like you know everyone's talking about Simmons, whether you classify him as a linebacker or not, is all well and good. He's a, he's a you know potential blue-cheap talent. He's probably a top-five player on my board right now, but after that, People are really trying to put the Patrick Queens, the Kenneth Murrays of the world up into that, you know, mid to late first round grade. I, I, I don't have that on them. I have one linebacker with a true first round grade, Isaiah Simmons, and then I have three with second round grades. And then after that, we're, we're, um, it really becomes same thing as tight end. Try to find departmentalized traits that you can probably can lean on in sub packages and then hope that they develop into a more traditional three down type of backer. No, sure. Well, I was going to say the tight end group, it feels like it's uh, 2 a.m. at the singles bar. You know, you're trying to convince yourself that this player is attractive. Um, uh, Asi Asi exactly. is uh, definitely a one that it's easy to look at him and, and understand that, you you know, there's a potential there. I like Troutman, though. I mean, it's really, it's hard to tell where, where Dayton is playing, not just that they're in FCS, but just kind of like what their competition group is. It's It's a little bit hard to tell, but I was impressed with his demeanor at the Senior Bowl, and as a former quarterback, you know, I feel like he's got a little bit of a leg up on fitting a role for a team to make a team better rather than necessarily just being a guy that, you know, I, I need, who needs to get fed the football. But, yeah, it's, a, it's one of those things. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder with this, with this group. And it's, it's really hard to find a guy that you would say is like a blocking tight end. He was really good at blocking. I mean, Thaddeus Moss may be the only guy in that group that I would – that's the first thing I think of, you know. Yeah, which is very yeah, unusual. I would, I would, it's it's real. It is really unusual because I'm I'm a fan of Troutman. He, I think he does some nice stuff in the run game as well. He is a definitely developmental guy, but I feel like there's there's obviously tools there. I I kind of compared him a little bit to Hunter Henry that plays with the Chargers. I feel like body control. They they're not really incredible linear athletes, but they win in those intermediate part of the field with great body control, great length. He's my second ranked tight end. I do have Cole Komet up top. But, I mean, obviously Cole is. Not very refined in the run game. They kind of win in the same areas. They're, uh, they're intermediate pass catchers who have the size, body control to do some stuff. But like you said, there's, I mean, trying to find a blocker here. Thaddeus Moss gets after in the run game. There's uh, Kyle Markway, who's a kid that probably won't even get drafted from South Carolina. He gets after it a little bit in the run game. You're, you're trying to find those pieces. Devin OCFC, like I said before, he's got some. Flashes in the run game, but it's not, it's definitely not consistent anyway. This is definitely not a year for blocking tight ends if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> no, and that, of course, being the Steelers show, that's, that's the thing that we're missing, you know, because Vance McDonald had a couple of good years blocking, but he's really either was injured or fell off a cliff in that regard. But, um, anyway, get to a sort of, you make me think of a sort of a larger question, which is, you know, I feel like that specialization of players in the NFL is at an all time high. Um, and that's one of the reasons it becomes hard to find guys like the difference. First of all, you have the differences between the college game and the pro game in terms of what linebackers do, what offenses do, what wide receivers do, what offensive linemen are asked to do. Um, and then some of that trickles its way up to the NFL, but sometimes it's just the games are so different that if what you're doing and, you know, facing in college as a defender is mostly spread offenses who are getting the ball out of the quarterback's hand in two seconds, it just, the different kinds of players are going to get to be uh, to get notoriety. Um, but the one thing I think does translate from the two right now is this sort of safety linebacker hybrid position. And uh, mm-hmm. I, 
I feel like this is a this class might have more of those guys in it that I think are at a really high level than than any I can remember. And I know I know one that I think you might be interested in that most people do not know would be Javin White from uh, UNLV. Tell us about him a little bit. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, Javin, he, he kind of has a similar body to um, Jeremy Chin that's coming out of so- Southern Illinois, which is kind of the, the high-profile guy that you're talking about, you know, the big 6'3-plus, 200-plus pound safety that can do some things in sub packages as a dime backer, that kind of thing. He can line up in multiple areas, play a little man-to-man coverage. Javin's a really interesting one because the, the, um, the owner of draft Bible here, Rick Saratella, he actually does a lot of stuff with the NFL PA bowl. And, uh, he's a scout for them and he got Javin white to come out to Pasadena to play in the game. And I didn't know much about him. I, I knew that he was a good, a big, good looking kid, six, three, right around 215 pounds. He, he looks, uh, you know, nice off the hoof. He's one of those guys that, you know, might be one of the first guys off the bus, you know, that moniker, the guys that look really nice. And then you kind of see him and he's being played very out of position. I know he played some corner early in his career. He's a safety by trait, but this past year they used him as a linebacker almost exclusively. So he's done a lot of interesting things, sub packages early on. I think he's going to be a really appealing player. And he's going to be a player that, you know, from day one, the undersold, they can't be special teams. He's going to be a dynamic special teams player. I would love to have him in that area very early. But he's a guy, like you said, he's, he's kind of like the Swiss Army knife. He, he's had experience playing man-to-man coverage, playing different type of short and deep zones. He has that body frame to continue to add weight. Maybe he's that you know hybrid player early on, and maybe he eventually his body fills out to being a full-time backer down in the box. There's a lot of appealing traits to him. And I would say Javon White is a guy that is not being – not being hyped up enough in this class. Because I know at the draft Bible, we're actually putting out our final 100 um, in the next couple of days. And I know Javon White is right around the 100 mark. He's probably going to be a top 100 player for us. Very undersold, fits the Jeremy Chin role. And like you said, hybrid safety linebacker who can do a lot of things. Sure. And that, you know, the speaking of Jeremy Chin, where, where do you fall on the Jeremy Chin, uh, Kyle, Kyle Duggar? discussion because i know that's a thing it's like it depends i guess what you're looking for maybe in terms of their different traits yeah yeah they're they're, um they're a little different i I can definitely see jeremy playing a little more deep zones i think he has a little more um lateral mobility i feel like he can do some some things as far as being a rangy player a little more which is a little odd because he's a little bigger or at least a little taller than kyle duggar I would say i'm i'm duggar over chin right now um like you said it's a little specific to role I want Kyle Duggar being that strong safety type that plays a lot on man-to-man. He plays the short zones. He's playing a lot closer to the box. He is a dynamic athlete, a nice kid, too. I've interviewed him a couple times. I've interviewed Jeremy Chin uh, before as well, and and they're both really bright young men, which you kind of see coming off the field. They have natural instincts. So a little different role, but right now, my final grade, I did have Duggar over Chin. Yeah, me too. And I think we're in the majority. I think most people have it the other way right now. Um, but yeah. I, I, I think sometimes you, know, you get this, the Twitter verse uh, is very skewed in certain directions, you know? So I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. at all if, uh, if Duggar comes off the board first in the actual NFL draft, but I think that would surprise a lot of people. Um, they, talking about the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of specialization, one thing that's um, sort of popular in, in college football right now that, doesn't necessarily translate as well, at least not yet, to my eye, is uh, 
these uh, sort of undersized edge rushers, and I'm talking about undersized to even be a three, four off ball guy, guys that maybe become like a Jack linebacker or something like that. But the one in particular comes to mind is Zach Bond. I'm wondering if you think that that's a player who, despite a lot of talent and a lot of success in college might be a, he has to wait till he finds a team that where he fits. Yeah. So Zach Bond's a guy that I've struggled with a lot. Uh, I mean, he has traits. He has athletic traits. Absolutely. He was like a 10, 700 meter guy in high school. He's a, he's a good athlete. Um, and he does a lot of things really well in space, which is a pretty nice surprise. He does not have the length. It, it comes down to, you know, he's six, two, you can get around that, but I think he had right around 31 inch arms, something like that. Like he's not, he just doesn't have the length in order to survive on the edge all, time, all the whole time. Um, so he's a guy that I definitely think is going to have to make a position switch. I look at him as a stand back in a four, three, he can do some four, three under come down on the line, do some stuff off the edge from time to time. But I think he's going to have to make his living playing off ball on a full-time basis, at least, you know, the majority of the time, if, if you're, if you want to sell yourself to doing some stuff, creative stuff on third down, pa- obvious passing down, but I get it. But he's the guy that I think he's going to have to transition to that off ball. And it worries me a lot because the last guy that I really remember making that transition and being hyped as much as he's being hyped was Hassan Reich that came out of Temple. And I feel like from an athletic perspective, there's some similarities from a body type perspective. There's some similarities. So that, that scares me a little bit. Now, obviously he's a, he's a different player than Hassan. So, you know, he has every opportunity to, to succeed. I just feel if we're drafting him in the first round, you're drafting him to be an off-ball linebacker, something that we haven't really seen him do at all. And it, it scares me very much. But, yeah, yeah, to answer your question, I, I think he's definitely an off-ball linebacker moving forward. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I, I, my sense is, and it's, it's a little bit hard for me to judge this because I, you know, primarily in terms of my NFL interest, I follow a 3-4 team. Um, but mm. it feels like the off-ball linebackers who are outside guys that are pretty much only fit for a 4-3 outside linebacker don't, aren't really suited to play inside in a 3-4, um, that those guys really their value has plummeted in terms of, you know, the hype versus where they actually go in the draft. Vaughn is a little different because he has some pass rush skills, but you get a guy that's like a, you know, would be a fine Sam linebacker or even a Will linebacker, but doesn't really offer you much in terms of versatility. Those, those guys tend to uh, linger on the board. Jacob Phillips is maybe a guy I think that fits that category. What, what do you think about him? Yes. Yeah, so I feel like I've been a little higher on Phillips just because, I feel like he can be a Sam in a four three. I think that he can, like kind of like what you're saying, in a three four. I feel like he could fit inside. I think that it's going to be a, a little hit or miss on what he can produce outside of the tackle box. I feel like he's not quite the athlete you want in space. He's a little stiff, and it's mostly due to his length. He's kind of a high legged. Mover who is a little, a little suspect, kind of changing laterally, but I, I like him a decent amount. I, I kind of compared him a little bit to Christian Jones, who was coming out of Florida State a few years ago. I, I don't think that there's a high upside with him, but I feel like at least on first and second down, he's going to be a plus player. And then he actually ended up testing better than I thought he was going to test. I thought he was going to be a full, mid four seven guy. He ran in the low to mid four sixes, and you know he's not. Maybe he's he's got some developmental potential. I mean, it's it's also tough because I think he's still twenty years old. So, oh, wow. mental potential there. Yeah, I, I don't even think he turned twenty one yet. If he did, he just turned twenty one. So he's got he's got some room to grow still. So 
Maybe it's something that he can iron out a little bit. He's got the body frame that you really like at the, at the linebacker position, but it's, I just feel like he's getting a little undersold just because of how good the LSU class is coming out over overall this year. And then he's got to compete with Patrick Queen, who obviously is getting a lot of the headlines at linebacker. So I, I'm a bigger fan on, on Jacob Phelps a little bit, but I think he might be a guy that gets lost in the shuffle a little bit this, this uh, draft season. Sure. Just a quick side question. Quarterbacks. Yes. I'm not a big fan of this quarterback class at the top, but I'm wondering if you got – who are the two or three guys that are your guys in this draft? I mean, my board is Burrow, Tua. I have Jordan Love, three, Justin Herbert, and then I have Eason at five. Um, I'll say I, I, I'm a big fan of Burrow and Tua. I, I feel like, you know, obviously the – I feel like if Tua is not successful, it's going to be the injuries, not really, you know, his ability as a quarterback. But – Herbert scares the shit out of me. I'm not really sure if I would sign yeah. off on him really early. Um, I mean, he might I know, go to the quarterback too. Herbert scares me. Jordan Love scares me a little bit too, but I am, I'm going to die on the Jordan Love mountain here. Uh, I'm a big fan of him. I was uh, able to speak to him, you know, before the season started, just like an little interview sit down. And he's a really sharp kid. So I'm really hoping that he gets into the right system with the right coach. I feel like they can really unlock his long-term potential. But he does scare me a little bit. Um, Joe Burrow, I think he's going to be rock solid at worst. I I don't know if he's got, like, the crazy upside. But I feel like, you know, he's going to be – he's smart enough. He's going to be able to get it done. And then uh, after that, it falls off a cliff. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, don't underestimate how, how bad Cincinnati Bengals can make you. I mean, that's true. It's no small true. thing. <laughs> They've destroyed better quarterbacks. <laughs> that sure. is a solid point. That is a solid point. But I mean, <laughs> wow, but his tape this last year was just so good. So I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't know. I'm gonna stay firm with him a little bit. But then, like after um, after Herbert or Ford, like I am not a fan of Eason. I'm just kind of. Put him there because of the tools. Like it makes sense. I'm not a fan of Jalen Hurts. Um, Jake Fromm, I think, is going to be a stopgap serviceable no, guy. See, I, th- I think you get into those like lesser big school guys. You might as well jump to your, you know, your Jamar Chase, your Nick, your Nick Tiano, Chase on Virgil, Akenji Bahar. Yeah. There's a guy, right? So it's yeah. like I think yeah. rather I'd rather have him than Fromm. Just because yeah. I would definitely rather have Nick Tiano. I should just to put a special out on him. I talked to uh, Steve Fairchild, uh, Warren McCarty, who are both his quarterback coaches, and they speak really highly of that dude. So Nick Tiano would be a guy that I would definitely take a crack on day three. I, think. Uh, I met uh, his dad, and I interviewed Nick at uh, NFLPA. Um, yeah, you know, interesting guy. I I really liked him a lot. We'll continue with part two of our interview with Ryan Roberts from NFL Draft Bible in just a second. But first, a message from our sponsor, Sports and Shit. Sportsandshit.com is the place to get your Steeler Fury swag, Steelers merchandise, and new just for the quarantine season. We've got normalcy t-shirts, tank tops, coffee cups, and more. Visit us at sportsandshit.com and see what's new. Sports and shit. Stuff you need. I'll give you two tips from NFLPA that I learned. One is Nick Tiano. If he doesn't get drafted, he will he mm-hmm. will be a Pittsburgh Steeler. That's where he's going. The big fan? Big fan. And, and I think they're looking for it. That's exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for a UDFA quarterback to add to the pile. I don't think they want to draft a guy, but I think they would like to get a different number three. I like that fit. I mean, schematically, he, he kind of fits that the Big Ben kind of style. You know, he's, he's got a right. 
He's got a really exactly. live arm. I mean, I like him. Very good. That sort of beautiful ball, like beautiful deep ball, just a beautiful ball in general. But um, the other one is Rondell Carter to the Ravens. One way oh, or yeah? another. Either, either day three or undrafted. Yep. That's where he's going. I bet you uh, that one. That's my that's my lock of the of the draft. He's going there. He fits perfectly. He's from Baltimore. He played at JMU. I'm I'm certain that he's on their radar. He said so too when I asked him because I was like, "Come on, tell the truth." They're like, you know, are they into it? Are you into it? And he was like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of happening." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> gotcha." I, I isn't um. I mean, Tiano's. Uh, where do you say he was from? He's from. Well, he's from Chattanooga, um, but his dad, um, his dad is from West Virginia, diehard Steelers fan. But he got it. Um, got it. Nick grew up in Chattanooga. Yeah, that's why he came back there from Mississippi State. I mean, he came back to right. play home. Yeah, to live at home. So, yeah. Guess we'll guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I feel like, I feel like he might have mentioned Steelers. Maybe he told me that he was he was doing a a, a Skype meeting with the Steelers or something because there was like something in my mind that was saying like. Keanu said something about the Steelers. Like there was something. I know. I know he's been really um, busy. He told me he has like he's had like sixteen Skype interviews with various teams. So sounds like he's getting a little look, which is good. Yeah, I think quarterbacks, especially like the meetings, are so important because you know they're they're grilling them pretty good. You know, in that yeah, kind of are. environment. So yeah, more so than you know running back. What are you going to learn in the meeting with the running back? You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, dude, you look you look real good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, anyway. what are you going to do after I don't? What are, what are you going to do after I don't give you a big second contract? That, yeah, that, that would be my question to a running back. Like who, you know, it's like basically who who's the uh, who can we talk to to learn who you hang out with and what kind of person you are off the field? Like that would be my first question for a running back in a way, because scheme wise, like it's not nothing's gonna. There's not going to answer that question, but it's like tell me about like who you are because before I bring you in the building, that's what I want to know. But anyway. Right. Yeah. Let's uh, flip the switch a little bit and talk some about skilled players on offense who are not tight ends. Um, Steelers are kind of in the market for some something different at, at running back and uh, another piece at wide receiver. You know, I'm of the opinion that speed is really the missing element for them. Um, and speed comes in different forms. You know, it could be a size speed combination. It could be uh, a running back who has burst. You know, has offers a little bit more uh, juice that doesn't necessarily run a four three. But I'm wondering, and you look at this group of the players that'll be available um, from 49 onward in this draft. So, not top 50 players who really might offer something in that regard. Who who are the ones that stand out to you that you like? Let's let's start with uh, running back. Running backs. Uh, I mean, guys that kind of have that speed. You know, I feel like this year running backs are going to drop a little bit just because I feel like there's a volume of them, so no one's going to really jump up too early. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're looking for speed guys, I feel like Cam Akers would kind of fit that bill for you. He's got a lot of nice athletic traits, can do stuff, some stuff out of the backfield. I feel like he's a really nice space player. If you can manufacture some space to him, for him, I would be a big fan of it. Um, if you're looking for just a guy to kind of, you know, share the low with James Conner and just specifically be that speed guy, not really have much to offer as far as, High level volume. I, I like the uh, I like the kid a lot from Appalachian State. Darrington Evans. Darrington Evans. Yes, Darrington Evans, and he is a very very athletic player. Um, has a ton of speed to him. 
He's that guy too. One cut and go, which is nice. I appreciate that style. I feel like a lot of guys dance way too much nowadays, but I appreciate a nice one cut and go and then four, four, one speed to kind of back it up. So Evans is a guy that I like a lot. And then I, I feel like someone that hasn't gotten talked about a lot that might be a, a decent mid round value, maybe even a little later is Anthony McFarland from Maryland. He's a really nice space player. He does a lot of really nice things. You know, hasn't had a ton of production in the pass game, but every time I see him, he seems like he has solid hands, has a solid feel in the pass game. Coming off an injury-riddled year, but to pair with a guy like James Conner um, to give mm-hmm. you that speed element, I feel like Anthony McFarland could be a really nice piece. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to box you into only the speed guys. You know, I mean, in particular, the Steelers are, you know, so reluctant to have a speed running back. Willie Parker's like, not only not since Willie Parker, even before Willie Parker, they haven't had too many of those type guys. They seem to like the bigger dudes. Shewo, you know, uh, that's the guy that maybe people think fits the Steelers, which I, it's hard to argue he's their type, um, but he's got some good and bad. I think the Steelers are definitely into him, and I know they Skype interviewed with him, and he said that he met with them uh, at the Combine and at NFLPA, um, but that uh, that the drug thing and just you know, there's just a couple of things about his his deal that made me think. Yeah, I wonder if he's really going to get drafted by anybody. A lot, there's a lot to like. The the ball security thing is like scary, but yeah, that's really scary. I mean, I mean, he he, uh, he I mean, his size, speed, he's got a nice combination. No, Shay, well, I think like he's a, he's probably going to drop. He'll be he'll be like that uh, year two in the NFL is the make or break for him. Year one will come in, he'll do some stuff, show you a little bit. But like if if year one to year two he drops the bad weight, he plays he plays he's like like right now I think he said he was two played at two forty during the season. He was two thirty in Pasadena and that for the combine and he's probably you know if he if he's at between two twenty five and two thirty. And just a little bit quicker, and somebody works on ball security for like a whole year with him. I think he actually has a lot of. I mean, for if you like the Steelers with that big back thing where they just like to pound a guy, and then he catches yeah. the ball a little bit. But I mean, at NFLPA in the game, I think he had five touches and lost the ball three times. <laughs> so, yeah, and basically, this year his senior season, he didn't, or his last season there, he didn't. Uh, he might have had one fumble or something, but the previous year, previous couple of years, he was just like. You know, put the ball on the ground. Can't do it. I feel so bad for James Conner, man. I wish he could just stay healthy. I like James Conner a lot when great. he plays, but oh, great, great dude. But yeah, it's just it's not your best ability is availability. <laughs> Absolutely, <Yeah. laughs> as, as I like to say. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe, maybe AJ Dillon. He might, he might fit their uh, their skill set as well, well, right? The Boston College kid. Ab- absolutely, yeah. To me, I'd much rather have a guy that has upside and is like a load sharer who's later in the draft and spend it on 49 at a running back, premium running back. That doesn't seem in the NFL to be the answer when you have a good quarterback. It just feels like all those good teams have, have uh, late round running backs. So that's why I was asking more about sort of the later guys. Just curious yeah. before we move on from that, have you seen Xavier Jones at all from uh, Louisiana yeah. Tech? Oh, no, SMU. Sorry. Okay. SMU, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Xavier actually had a really great year. He scored over like 20-something touchdowns this year quietly for a uh, pretty good SMU team. Um, they got it, you know, Sonny Dykes got it turned around a little bit down there with Shane Bouchelle and all those guys kind of moving over there. And uh, Xavier's an interesting player. He, he's he's um solid build. He's right around 208 pounds, 210 pounds. He's not like a smaller guy. Um, 
he does. He's actually has some pretty nice production out of the backfield. He's a tough runner. He's got some decent contact balance. Not a ton of juice to him. Um, I've seen a lot of him getting, you know, caught from behind, which, you know, it, it's, it's not a huge deal to me as long as you're creating explosive plays. I'm not worried if you can take it to the house every time you touch the football. But Xavier Jones is definitely a guy that I would keep a, uh, an eye out for. A really curious player, too. He didn't get any all-star consideration this year. NFLPA, East-West, um, uh, the Senior Bowl, nobody kind of gave him an invite, and then he wasn't invited to the Combine either. So a yeah. little curious why he's been so overlooked, but definitely a guy late rounds, maybe even undrafted free agent that I would definitely keep an eye on. Sure. And in making the transition to talk about wide receivers, what better player to talk about than Antonio Gibson? <laughs> because, you know, we're not sure exactly what he is, but I know what he does. What he does is like, take it to the house. He is that guy that can take it to the house every time he touches it. Where, where do you stand? If you, have to, if you have to pound the table, would you pound the table for this guy? Yeah, yeah, he's um he's really fun. I mean, his tape is I mean, mostly playing slot receiver, getting some jet sweep, doing different things like that. And, and now then he went to the senior bowl and he was used in a running back capacity almost the whole week. So guy, I mean, he's right around two hundred and twenty eight pounds at six foot one. He's a pretty powerfully built guy. And uh I think that early on he's gonna be in that mold of a slot receiver gadget player. He could do some things for you, be creative with him a lot. But I actually feel like eventually his best spot might be running back. I feel like he showed actually some pretty un- pretty solid instincts at the senior bowl practices during the week for a guy that hasn't played that position at all. Um but, you know, if if your plan is we need a guy that has some speed, four three nine speed at two hundred and twenty plus pounds. Put him in the slot. Put him outside from time to time. Mess with various releases. Um, I could definitely get on board with it. I feel like he might be a guy though. Like I said, I I, I would really, if I was a team, I would want to draft him to do that gadgety stuff earlier, and then see how his instincts develop as a, as a lead ball carrier. Sure. Well, my point would be, I mean, I love the guy. Um, in terms of, I love the the idea of adding a guy like that to your offense. I'll say two things. One is I think he's basically Percy Harvin, but 30 pounds bigger, you know, in terms of like what his role is and what he can do for you. I think he actually could develop as a wide receiver who, who ran the football from the slot on occasion. Um, But I agree with you that in terms of the mismatch possibilities of him being a running back and starting off as a gadget player, I'm, I'm down with all of that. I guess I would say, you know, if you can find that guy hundred touches, including kickoff returns, he's going to score eight or nine, 10 touchdowns, you know? So if, if you draft a guy and he scores eight or nine, 10 touchdowns in his rookie season, even if you don't have to get him that many touches in a way, it's almost better, you know, like why waste him wearing him out as a 250 touch player when you can get a lot out of him in a hundred touches, which is kind of what they did with Harvin. When they try to overuse Harvin, he got hurt. um, And when it was not as effective, uh, but anyway, so I feel like that's a you know something that's interesting in terms of other wide receivers. Let's talk about who do you think the, the top guys are aside. From, I mean, the obvious. You know, are you first of all Rugs, Judy, CD Lamb? Order them for me. What would you say? So I have Judy. I have Judy wide receiver one, uh, CD wide receiver two, and then I have Henry Ruggs wide receiver three. Um, I would say I have Judy. I wouldn't say comfortably because they all have, you know, high first round grades, but I, I would say that the, the separation between Judy and CD Lamb at wide receiver two is larger than CD going down to Henry Ruggs. So I feel like Henry Ruggs and 
uh, CDR in the tier two for me. And then I have Jerry Judy pretty comfortably wide receiver one. That's my guy. I feel like some people are really overthinking him. Uh, I, I, um, <laughs> I have the, the highest opinion on his game, to say the least. Yeah, I'm a, I, I agree with you in terms of where they are now. In three mm. years, I think Ruggs is a better football player. But that, you know, that's because I feel like Judy is just so good at what he does and the craft that you know, the craft of it. And that never gets old. So I, mean, I have no problem drafting him first. Um, and mm. you know, he helps you immediately right away. But yeah, that's all. That was just curious uh, how you felt about the yeah. very top. Um, this, uh, you know, day two, let's talk about day two wide receivers. The people that might mm. fall into the Steelers range since they need a wide receiver and they need at least some juice, if not an actual replacement for Juju next year because of his contract situation, you know, what, what's your, what's your take on who's available in that range that might be a fit for them? So, so if, I mean, if, if I had to answer, I, I would have said, you know, a week or two ago that maybe Denzel Mims would have been the guy from Baylor, but apparently he's shooting up. A lot of people have him in the late first round. Yeah. I would not draft him there. Um, but that would be a guy that I would have said without hesitation a couple of weeks ago. Now I would say we'll see what, ha- what happens with Jalen Rager. Uh, not sold that he is going to be that top 40 picks that we saw a couple weeks ago. I'm a fan of him. I, I just feel like some people are going to overthink him a little bit. You know, his, his tape in 2019 was not nearly as good as it was in 2018, but there were a lot of things happening around that offense last year, sure. the quarterback position that uh, did not help his case in any way. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen fell maybe to that range. And then another guy that would definitely, I think, be in that range might be now LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. Who, Which is if, wild. If, Can't believe he would fall that far. I know. It's wild. It's wild. I'm, I'm a big fan of LaVisca. His film, anyway, the, the injuries are, are starting to scare me a little bit. It's becoming way too consistently of a thing now where he is just getting injured um, and it's, it's nagging injuries. Now he has the, the core muscle injury. So who knows what's happening with him, but it, I would tell you if the Steelers could grab him in the fifties and the injuries could kind of, and you know, it's, it's a big if obviously, but if the injuries can just you know be a little subsided, a little less of an issue over the next couple of years, that is an absolute steal. He's a, he's a very talented football player. He can do stuff inside, outside. And then maybe the last guy, if, especially if you want some speed, is K.J. Hamler from Penn State. Might be a guy that might be in that range who is very explosive, very fast. Don't love his ball skills too much, but he's the kind of guy to get the ball in his hands and watch him go. You, you think Hamler's a, a slot at this level? Yeah, yeah, I would say just because he's, I mean, he's like five eight and a half, five nine. He's he's a, he's a small guy. I really haven't seen much evidence of him beating press coverage very well on the outside. I feel like he could get beat up a little bit, but I feel like if you give him a free release inside, maybe you play him a little in Z on the outside and you do some things with different short motions and kind of make his release points as optimal as possible for him, then you could be getting a real big steal at that point. Hey, uh, once again, Brian Roberts from NFL Draft Bible joining us. We could do this all day. I'm going to have to wrap it maybe with one last question since we're continuing on that wide receiver path. And that's day three, guys. Let's say say the Steelers decide that they want to add a a guy to the wide receiver group, but they have other needs to address earlier because they sure do. They, They need a defensive tackle and some future offensive linemen and so on. Day three wide receivers that you think uh, can can 
make a spark. Like guys that are lost in this class because this class is just crazy. Um, it feels like mm-hmm. there's so many guys at the bottom there who are really good players that could contribute. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, one guy that I think might actually be moving up a little bit, so I don't know if he'll necessarily be there on day three. I think there's still a chance that he might be, but I'm a huge fan of Isaiah Coulter from um, Rhode Island. Aaron Parker, the other wide receiver coming out of there, has gotten most of the headline, but I saw all 22 of their game against Virginia Tech this year, and he just ran like a quick slant, a little arrow route, and he took it about 60 yards. This kid has some legitimate juice at six foot two. Ran four four five official at the combine plays even faster than four four five. I feel like if you can get him on day three, that's a huge value. Courtney Davis, another guy from Texas A and M, he's more of a slot guy. At least that's why I prefer him. But again, he's got you know a decent amount of juice. He's got nuance to his game. He's a tough player over the middle, solid, consistent hands. Just a really dependable football player. And then if there was maybe one more that I wanted to highlight, it would just be Quez Watkins from Southern Mississippi. Everybody saw yeah. him run four three six at the combine. He's a nice vertical threat. He's done some nice things also, just running short drags and being able to turn short games into big, explosive plays. He's not the guy that you're going to want if you're looking for someone who can consistently win over the middle. He, he does not have great concentration through contact. His hands are kind of hit or miss at times. But if you're looking for a guy on day three that can add a vertical threat to you, some add some explosive plays, I feel like Quez Watkins is definitely a nice developmental guy to take a look at. Hey, just quickly, two guys that I that I know of, you know, I saw at NFLPA that we've talked a little bit about on Twitter, but just give me the, the Reader's Digest version for uh, Juwan Green from Albany, who I, you know, was my favorite sort of sleeper. He's my guy this year. Um, but also Marcus Callaway, who's another guy of a weird quarterback and offensive situation. He reminds me a little bit of Darius Slayton's situation from last year. Just a quick take on those two guys. Yeah, I feel like that whole Tennessee offense was was obviously a bit of a mess. So uh, Callaway is a longer, a longer wide receiver. He um, he he can win vertically with his length. He um, he's able to get on top of guys pretty quickly with his long strides. Tries some developmental potential, absolutely. Um, Jared Guaritano is a very frustrating quarterback at times. He's from, he's from <laughs> nearby, sort of. He's, he's a Lodi, New Jersey, and uh, he's going to be a little frustrating. Obviously, the coaching staff is still trying to get things figured out over there. So, Callaway, definitely a uh, late-round option, maybe an undrafted free agent again. That might be very interesting. And then Jawan Green is a guy that not many people know about. He uh, Albany had a really nice year this year. And uh, it's funny, I actually have an interview scheduled for today with Under Cuffler, their, their quarterback, who is an yeah. excellent football player as well. Um, so Jawan Green has some legitimate juice. I, I heard that he was running um, uh, in the four threes at his pro day. I don't know if it was an official pro day or not, but on tape, you see it. He's able to eat up cushion very quickly. Um, not the biggest guy in the world, but he has enough size, and he's definitely a guy, like you said, I've got to monitor. I don't know if he'll end up getting drafted because he's going to have the Albany, you know, moniker on him, you know, small school guy, blah, blah, blah. But definitely impressive year. I think he had like close to 1,500 yards this year. Just absolutely phenomenal year for Albany. So Juwan Green is definitely a guy I'm interested in and a guy that I definitely have a little star next to his name to keep an eye on moving forward. Sure. I, I feel like this, with all the weirdness with the pro days and interviews, that this is going to be, there will be more undrafted free agents this year who make NFL rosters and who end up being starters and and star players. You know, I just feel like all, all those, all the people that usually get found in the process uh, are just not going to get that chance to get drafted and have that capital. 
spent on them, but mm-hmm. I guess we'll find out. You know, I, maybe there'll be the Seattle's and uh, Jacksonville's that are super into those guys. You know, that like to draft some guys off the board. Um, but anyway, um, remains to be seen. Brian Roberts, thank you very much for being with us. Uh, so tell us how folks can get NFL Draft Bible. What's the easiest, best way to get a copy right now? Yeah, I, I mean, so if you go to NFLDraftBible.com, um, go to the product section. We are almost out of the print version. So if you want to get that, go to the Draft Bible and, and order that today, I, I would suggest. We, uh, we were trying to finish it right off of Easter, but we, we expanded it a couple <laughs> days because we've, we've gotten a really nice um, response to it. And uh, but if you aren't able to get the print version, there's still plenty of e- um, the options to get the PDF version that's sent through your email. You get all the updates, all that kind of stuff. So definitely go check that out at NFLDraftBible.com um, on uh, Rise and Draft on Twitter. If you want to check out anything on there, um, also I have links to that kind of stuff as well. And uh, you know, just make sure to keep an eye out because there's over 600 uh, scouting reports in the Draft Bible this year. Over 180 interviews um, during the combine and different points. Um, even an early big board for 2021. So definitely a lot of stuff to check out there. And, uh, you know, obviously we appreciate all the support we can get. NFL Draft Bible. I got my copy. Get yours. Brian, thanks for being with us, man. Enjoy the draft. Oh, it's definitely, it, it, it's going to be nice, you know, no, no sports for a little while here. So I'm going to enjoy it. I thank you so much for, for having me on. And, uh, you know, anytime you want to talk ball, I am available. And I appreciate you having me on today. My pleasure, man. Anytime. Okay. I mean it. I'll talk right, to you awesome. soon. Cheers, bye. All right, sounds good, man. See you later. Well, that'll do it for part two of the pre-draft extravaganza from Steeler Fury. Once again, thanks to our guest, Ryan Roberts from NFL Draft Bible. On the next edition of our podcast, Extravaganza, it'll be a bonus episode. That bonus episode will feature interviews with some fine NFL prospects. You're going to want to hear what they have to say. That'll be the next time on your SteelerFury.com podcast. Don't forget that you can support the show by going to our Patreon page at SteelerFury at Patreon.com. Become a subscriber and help keep the longest-running Steelers podcast in the universe the longest-running Steelers podcast in the universe. <laughs> Until then, I'm Will Massasak, a.k.a. Bradshaw to Ben, a.k.a. Accidental Zen on Twitter, saying, Go get them, Steelers! Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.